welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Wendy Pakistan. I'm Sarah Reynolds. I'm Via Williams. And I'm Seychelle Van Poole. This is part two of our retention series. So this is our tactical episode on going in-depth with what we do and how we do it in the first 90 days of hiring. This episode is chock full of juicy details, fail forwards, lesson learned, and ways to grow your business with retaining top talented people. So let's jump in. So let's first go over, we talked about, we introduced the 30, 60, 90 last episode, right? And I would love to hear from you guys and learn from you guys on some specific things that you've put in your team members' uh, 30, 60, 90s to set them up for success. Sure. And when and we say 30, 60, 90, we're talking about the 30, 60, 90 days after someone's hired. Just to be clear. Yeah. Yep. yep. So what are some things that are in their 30-day goals that they set? That you, that you set for them. I love, Wendy, will you start off with how you make that list for the first, like for the job description that then turns into that? I think that's so helpful. Sure, 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 sure. So um, if you guys are just starting out, so if you're a new entrepreneur, maybe you're just building your business, the wonderful opportunity about building your own business is you get to really figure out what your 20% is. And if, you're, if you don't know that concept, the 80-20 rule, 20%, 80% of your success comes from 20% of what you do. And because you're the business owner, guess what? Eventually, you get to stay in your lane all day long. However, at the beginning, you don't always get to do that. So what I tell people is to tape a piece of paper to your desk, right? My And write my not-to-do list at the top of that piece of paper. And as you're sitting there, right, doing your daily work, we all have things where we love, you know, we love to do them. We, we get up every day, we run towards them. And then we all have other things in our business. Like for some of us, it might be budgeting or it might be paying the bills where we're like, ooh, we don't want to do that. So as you're having that feeling, or maybe, you know, as my good friend Reed Moore told me, he's like, if you put something off three times in a row, it mm. probably means you shouldn't be doing it. That's oh, that's like good. That. Yeah. That's and so really write those things down on your not-to-do list. And then all of a sudden, you've got somebody else's job description. Yep. And uh, when you hire your first person, their job is to follow you around and figure out what you do all day. They're literally creating um, your way. They're documenting your way of doing everything. And then you can take that not-to-do list and break it out into activities that they need to conquer over the, their first their first 90 days. And I think the key to what you're saying is that first hire is operational, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I think all yeah. of us can go back to the growth that we've had in our business came from a key operational hire. And so that first time that you're hiring your first operational hire, making sure that they're set up for success in those 30 days. What are some examples, uh, Wendy or Seychelle, that you guys yeah. have put into place for your director of operations? Well, I think Wendy said a key thing here, which is how we started, is when a new person comes on, you're going to watch how I do it. I'm going to do the job. And I've, I've succeeded, right? Even if it's not my, my wheelhouse of my top 20% of activities, I'm succeeding at a level that I can hire somebody and I'm doing things a certain way that I'm used to. So that person coming in is going to watch how I do things and you're going to document And so the first 30 days, they're slowly picking things off and we start doing them together. So after you've watched how I do it, now we are going to do it together, right? And we're going to do those things together and 
and you're going to give them feedback, right, right. on what they're and doing. Exactly. And we're going to do it together. I'm going to let you know how you're doing, maybe what you might tweak, what you might change, a lesson that I've learned if you're trying to do something differently. And then once we feel like you've got competency in that, then you're going to do it. And you're going to take it and run with it. And I'm still giving regular feedback. It's not like I just send you off on a boat out into the ocean and I hope you survive crossing the Atlantic. We're still going to be in regular rapport Right and doing weekly accountability meetings and and really being in close rapport, but that I do it, we do it, you do it is sort of how you measure the pass off and how something would happen. And, you know, and I think if if you were to put that into a tactical experience, right? Like if it's let's just say it's a new agent you're you're training, right? Like I would do the showing, I would set up the showings, I would schedule them, I would pull the comps, right? I would make sure the client is on board with what we're seeing, then I would go physically show the house and they would shadow me, right? And then we would give get in the car for 20 or 30 minutes after that showing and talk through how it went, what we learned. And then the next time they would schedule it, we do it together, right? And then after that, then they would go show the client and I would observe. So that's kind of how that I, we, they happens. I love that. Well, I, love, I love that. And then I would also argue that there are times in your business where you simply just have to hire someone to do a job that you're just not very good at. Absolutely. Mm. And so you're not necessarily, hopefully you're going to hire someone who either knows what they're doing as far as that goes. Like, let me give you a for instance. Mm -hmm. Let's say you are, uh, you need to start managing your money better. A lot of us as entrepreneurs, maybe that's not our wheelhouse. We don't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable with that. And so you either need to hire someone who's had experience hiring, I mean, experience managing money, or you need to hire someone who can figure it out for you because you're probably not going to be training them on it. And what they're going to be doing is over the course of 90 days, they're going to be figuring that out. So let me give you a for instance. So like, let's say one of their key core competencies is that they have to own the budget in your company. Mm -hmm. So the first 30 days, they're going to research and document everything that you're spending your money on. They're going to look back through, you know, six months of expenses. They're going to look at all the credit card bills and they're going to say, these are the things in the last six months or in the year that we spent our money on. That's good. And that's going to be the first 30 days because that's not the only thing that they're going to be working on. That's really good. Right. It's like they don't get, they don't get 40 hours to figure it out. That's going to be a portion, but this is going to be their, you know, one of their key metrics for success. And then their next 60 days, they're going to create a budget. They might look through some of these things and say, you know what? I'm not sure this is great. This is maybe we need this. Maybe we need to put more money here, less money there. And so they're going to actually create a budget and compare it to the actual results. So that would be in their next 60 days. That's and good. then in their next 30 days after that. So at the end of their 90 days, they've created some kind of spreadsheet where they're tracking the return on investment of the top expenses. So for all of us that are in sales, right, we have to generate business, we have to generate leads. And so they're understanding that one of my one of my, the ultimate goal of creating this budget is to track our return on investment. For every dollar we spend on lead generation, we want to get an X number of results, whether that's a four times, six times, 10 times, whatever it is in your business, right? So at the end of the 90 days, they're moving towards that but it's all broken down over the course of you know each of those months. Hey, Wendy, can I roll that back a little bit? Because I love mm-hmm. that. Sure. And, and I think one of the keys to retention and one of my big growth areas has been clarity of expectations. And we, we've talked about mm-hmm. that a lot. I, I say that a lot because it was such a fail for me. Mm-hmm. And so I was just reflecting when you and Seychelle were talking about you know hiring specifically admin and operations. 
And one of the things that I did in my last hire, hired her about six months ago, is I just made a list of everything I had to do. And I had three columns next to it. I had me, EA for executive assistant, and then VA. We have a virtual assistant in the Philippines. And, and I went through and I thought, who can do each one? And then I ranked them. And I took myself out of it, the things I had to do. And I took the VA out of it. And I took that EA batch. And I, I ranked them from one to whatever the end was. And I hired to the top 20%. And I mm. made sure that when we sat down and went through the expectations dialogue, actually before she signed her employment contract, that I said, I'm hiring you for this top 20%. The other stuff has to be done. But I don't, I don't expect that you're going to be 100% A-plus at everything. I do expect you're going to really commit to being a master in this top 20%. So before she was even hired, she knew exactly what, what winning was going to mean and, and what was on that task list. And then I, I translated that to my 30, 60, 90 with her. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's so powerful because you know I think when we turn over that task list, um, and, and we have that director of operations or that executive assistant, the reality is no one person can do all that stuff. It's just the yep. nature of the job. Yep. Just the nature of the job. What, what I loved about that example, Wendy, is that it re- that really follows the, the SMART acrostic that we talked about la- last episode. And I want to go over it again for our listeners because I think it's so critical when you're setting up the 30, 60, 90. For example, what I used to do before I learned how to do the 30, 60, 90, I used to say, okay, we don't have any spreadsheet for return on investment. Your first week, I need I need to know what our return yeah. is on each investment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and we what? expected them. To, yeah, we expected <laughs> them. That's the old VIA too. The old yeah, VIA. Exactly. Yeah. We Absolutely. expected them to do that within like their first two days. They, they're still even trying to learn like what we Where's spend the bathroom. Right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, what I loved about that example with the budget is like, okay, so S is specific. So clearly defining what you're going going to do. So clearly define that 30 days. Okay, you're going to figure out all the money that we're spending, right? And you um, know what? I would say this is, it's the hardest part also when you're an is. entrepreneur because it is. And I just want to acknowledge that you don't know what you don't know. All of yes. us have run big businesses for, you know, over a decade now and you really don't know what you don't know at the beginning. So I'll just yes. acknowledge that. It's so Sometimes true. just to say like, where do I start? Right. Yep. How, how do I start? And that's where I think models come in, right? Talking to other people, reading books, finding finding the baseline for some of these things. And I think that's something we all feel very strongly about as others have lived before us, yep. right? So we don't need to go reinvent the wheel if there is a model, like Via loves to say, right? Or a system <laughs> that I think we all would agree with, right? That we can take and adopt to rocket fuel faster into something. Um, I think we're all four of us are going to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, our sister podcast, uh, Think Like a CEO, there's an episode about models and how Gary really, really started following models. It's one of the most powerful yes. episodes. Yeah. Um, and that there's models for setting people up on for success. So mm-hmm. I quickly want to go over, you know, so S is specific, mm-hmm. M is measurable, A is achievable, uh, R is repeatable, and then T is timely. So having those goals for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, so they know when to hit them. Okay. Uh, but following that is so critical. And I, I love that example, Wendy, just because it really follows that smart acrostic um, in terms of budgeting. Yeah. And so that's the that's the foundation, right? Yep. That is absolutely the foundation of how to have someone come out of the gate 90 days in and, fe- and and feeling comfortable and confident that they're going to succeed with the job. 
Yes. So I love that. And so what are some of the other things that you guys are doing? You know, could be during the first 90 days, could be further on to, you know, those like special things that you're doing to just to, to retain and uh, keep people happy and keep the culture up on your team. So one of the things we do, and, and I talk about it a lot, is we in our organization have the three fiduciaries of a leader. And that is, as leaders, we have to be sure that we're setting the expectation and the standard, number one. Number two, we have to inspect what we expect. That's accountability. Number three, we have to make sure we're providing the right environment for them to succeed. And that, that could mean a number of things. So I am very clear up front with what accountability is going to look like. I'm very clear up front that I'm exercising the three fiduciaries and, and this is how we lead in this organization. And the reason I say that is that we want to put the pressure on the standards and the expectations. We don't want to make it personal. And we want yeah. to get a buy-in from our people. Like, do you understand the ramifications if, if the standards aren't met? If we do that up front, you guys, it is so much easier to have these conversations during. I have failed so many times not having that conversation up front. So I literally have the conversation I just, what I just shared is how I talk to, to new hires. I love that. I was thinking birth, birthday bagels as far as technical oh, goes. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that well, that is way better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Via, via speaking of conversations, yeah. um, I think one of the, one of the tactical things that we we do we we don't do uh, birthday bagels, but one of the tactical things that we do that has helped with with retention is something as simple as you know praising in public, right? Mm, Making yes. sure when, when they do something yeah. well, you praise them right. in public, and then you mention conversations. And, and talking about, okay, well, that's what you do in, in private, right? When, they, when you see that they that's need right. to improve in something, don't do that in front of everyone. You, you want to make sure that you're praising them publicly and then talking to them about rooms for improvement in private. And that has really helped us with, re, with retention. I think, and along that topic, Sarah, part of, um, in one of our other episodes we talk about is during the hiring process, right? One of the questions that we ask is, if something sensitive should arise, how honest do you want me to be with you? And you actually walk through during that um, career visioning process, that hiring process that we all follow, you actually get permission um, on how honest they want you to be with them and actual instructions from them on how to take a sensitive situation to them. Mm -hmm. And I think by listening to them and acknowledging that that's how they want a sensitive situation to be addressed, it's. I think it's unrealistic for us to say in the first 90 days, you're not going to have some sort of feedback needed. You're, they're going to yeah. have feedback all the time that's yeah. needed. Yeah. And so by, by following and honoring the way they want to be communicated with, that truly with that new hire or candidate, right, will all of a sudden feel so much more empowered because you're communicating with them in a way that that candidate wants to be communicated with. That's right. And and we also praise using social media to praise them has been huge for us. Yeah. One of my favorites is when like their grandma gets on and is commenting like, great job, Jess, Jess, I'm so proud of you. And like, wow. and then his family is like saying, he says that he goes, one of our team members says that he goes to a family event and they're like, that's amazing job. You got five uh, buyers under contract. I saw that your boss, you know, posted that and it, it really builds their confidence. Yeah. So using social media as a public platform to praise them has also been one of the tactical things that we do that's really helped. That's great. Another thing we do, just to kind of piggyback on on what Seychelles said, is the how do I win with you, how do I lose with you conversation. Mm -hmm. I have a a printout in our 30, 60, 90, we have a, a printout 
that all new hires get. And it's literally how to win with Bia and how to lose with Bia. Mm-hmm. And I ask him the same questions up front. I ask him twice. I ask him uh, as we're signing the you know employment offer letter. And then I ask him again on their first day. And I just make sure I'm super clear. And, and I say, hey, did you read? Did you read? Do you have any questions about mine on there? Because it's really important that you just you know learn how to work together and you manage expectations. Another thing, I love that, Via. And yes, I, I think that's something you have really done so well is getting really crystal clear on setting expectations and knowing how to lean in on those. One tactical thing that we do as well, um, the first week when a hire starts with us is we have a My Favorite Things worksheet they fill out. And I know that sounds silly, but like I want to know how to reward somebody else because... Cupcakes if you've and ever, donuts right over co- here. Right. I know what I notice in Sarah. Yeah, right? Yeah. And bagels I mean, tacos, too. Tacos for me. Warm cookies, um, tacos. I like it all. Yeah. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Really. Food evidently is all of our Super love easy. <laughs> but you know, if you, read, if you read the book, The Five Love Languages, right? Everybody has a different way that they want to be rewarded or appreciated. And so we actually have like a rap sheet on Hopefully every team member. Touch. Um, yeah, that's always an well, awkward one. That's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> hugs, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a team leader that was physical touch and I was always oh. like... Patting him on the upper shoulder. Yeah. 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 Social distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think it's really helpful though for us. I mean, and we even had uh, one of our team members this last week did an amazing job with a referral that we give him to work. And the client actually said to me, I would love to thank him in some way. Do you know of something that he would really appreciate? And I could immediately go to that favorite things list and say, Oh my gosh you know, Chick-fil-A or, you know, his favorite candy bar is this or his favorite restaurant is that, right? And they immediately had ways in which they could thank that team member in a way that really resonated with them with something really neat. That's awesome. I I remember, Wendy, when I first uh, met you and uh, you, it was actually, you taught a class to our market center and um, Mm -hmm. you were sharing your, uh, a tool that we use called the 411 uh, for, uh, goal setting, and you shared yours. And I remember on there, I was so taken back and just you inspired me so much because you had on there uh, building the wealth of your team members. And yes. um, it's something that I had to like sit back for a minute and think, oh my goodness, like I have not, I've done a horrible job teaching them wealth building and teaching them and making that such a focus. And I know from your influence on me as a leader, I've grown so much in this area. I would love for our listeners to hear what you do in terms of helping your team members with wealth building. Because when you talk about retention, this is one uh-huh. of the most tactical things, not only changing their life, they can literally change their entire family tree's life uh, with this. And so share with our listeners what you do in terms of wealth building. Thanks, Sarah. Well, very nice of you. Um, yeah, so we call it the Hot Millionaire Club uh, because who doesn't want to be a hot millionaire? Hello, I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and so that that actually started a few years ago. ago yeah. yeah, because you know Jay and I would always go on stage and we'd say one of our goals is to help people become millionaires, and um, that's actually something that we stole from Ben Kinney. And I was really thinking about it uh, because I like to be in in integrity with what I say. And it's one thing to say that, but it's, it's another thing to really be able to, like you said, measure it. If this yeah. is my goal, how do I measure right. it? And I actually reached out to Ben and I said, Ben, how many millionaires have you made? And this was actually before you started working for him. I know. I was, you told I was, me. I was concerned about that with you. Yeah, you yeah, told that's, me. That's the whole reason I did that. Yeah, I love well, you. He, well, he wasn't able to tell me. 
And, um, and I know that he has helped a lot of people create yes. wealth, but I know he's not tracking it and not in the way that I wanted to. And so I said, well, why don't we start a wealth building club? And I was teaching my wealth building class up in Lubbock and they were kicking off their wealth building club there. So this whole idea of the Hot Millionaire Club was actually stolen from Tim Minix, who's an incredible He's awesome. leader in, in Lubbock, Texas. And so like all good ideas, I just quickly stole it and put the Papazin Properties Group logo, crossed his logo off on top of it. And so we have we have a wealth building club. And what that is, is we meet once a month. Uh, it's a potluck. It's at our house. Um, right now it's virtual because we're, you know, it's during the pandemic, but it's, it's been going on for two years. And um, we all track our net worth. We all have a goal for our net worth. And we, we have a conversation, a very frank conversation about mon- about money and wealth building. And we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about um, everything from insurance to the stock market to investment properties. And everybody takes a turn and, and does their homework and reports once a month. So all the topics are different. And Wendy, they have to show their college. net worth. Yeah. And so right. we, we are very, very transparent. That's a big part of being in the club. Uh, first of all, what stays in, you know, what happens in Hot Millionaire Club stays in Hot Millionaire Club. Not everybody in our team chooses to do it. It's not something that you have to, that you have to do. Although about probably 85% of the people on our team do participate and that we have to come every week, every month, right? You can't drop in and drop out. So it's like you have to be committed to it. And we've helped uh, a lot of people significantly grow their wealth. And it's kind of, you know, we're competitive. And so now there's some competition on the team, which is, that's not what it's about, but it's kind of fun, you know, who can get to a million dollars in net worth first. Um, And so that's, that's going on. And so that's been, and that, but that is part of our, that's part of our, Mm -hmm. one of our values, right? So one of our values is to build wealth. And um, I think it's really important if you say that you're going to do something or if that's a big part of your team, then you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And, I, and what I love about that is a big part of retention is seeing your team members as people. Yes. And it's not always about their job, mm-hmm. right? You know, for me, uh, I've been on a health journey this year and really been focusing on it. And a, and a lot of my team is reflective of that. And I believe that will help our retention because I'm talking to them about their health. And I'm talking that it has nothing to do with selling real estate, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but it has everything to do with the, them. And I right. think it's really key. What I love about the wealth building conversation is that's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like we're seeing them as people, not just uh, mm-hmm. a, a person that does a job. And that's mm-hmm. key there. You know what the bottom line is, ladies, and why this is so brilliant is, is that the key to retention is having people achieve their personal needs and their personal goals through you and yep. through your organization. Yes. And what you've just shown us is that that you're paving that way. You know, you know it's funny, Wendy, I, I knew the story about you asking Ben and, and I reflected on it myself because I was, I was deciding whether I was going to leave entrepreneurial life, right? And go, right. go work for somebody. And I realized he was the one person that had made my net worth go as high as it had gone up to that point. Mm-hmm. He coached me when I started with him. I was doing 9 million in, in volume in, in real estate. And in four years, I went up to 70 million. And so I think that's that's great that you brought that up because we we do have to look at at you know are we making our people millionaires are we going to go for making ten million or are we going to go mm-hmm. for making ten of our people a million each That's right Yeah well, so good. well and that's really what leadership is guys yeah. is 
is, mm-hmm. is helping your people learn how to think, right? right? Teaching your people how to think so that they can get what they want. That is our ultimate goal as leaders. And that's what we do every single day is we're teaching them how to think differently, how to think bigger, how to build wealth, how to give that's back, right. all of those things about what success really looks like. Okay, guys, well, we can't talk about uh, retention, tactical things for retention without talking about the simple thank you. (laughs) Saying thank you and showing appreciation to our people. Uh, One of my favorite quotes is uh, from Margaret Cousins, who says, appreciation can change a day, even change a life. Your willingness to put into words is all that is necessary. Your willingness to put in the gratitude into words is all that is necessary. Um, I think that's really key uh, to retention is showing appreciation. The thank yous, you cannot say thank you enough. You know, I think the longer people work with you, the more you get sort of used to the things that they do. Mm, yeah. um, so good. And, yep. And I remember when my um, executive assistant went on maternity leave, I mean, you, you're reminded of all the things that they take care of, right? Yeah, um, that right. you don't even think about anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the reality is most of us aren't hardwired for it. If you're entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. you're just hardwired to like, let's go, let's go, in, go let's do go. it. Yeah. And so if you are that way, you probably need to uh, put, put something in your schedule. Yes. Yeah, right. that's a good call, yeah. you guys. You, really you, need, you need someone or something to remind you like, hey, you need to appreciate so-and-so, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I do pretty regularly is surprise everyone in the office with a handwritten note on their desk when they come in the next morning. And it's just mm-hmm. a simple thank you. Hey, hey, I noticed that the other day when the customer came in, um, you did an amazing job welcoming them. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever it is that the little things that you notice, just making sure to say thank you and show appreciation has just been key in terms of retention. So don't forget that. Say thank you to your people. So good. Such a I good reminder. One way we yeah. put that into a system as well is at the end of every one of our daily huddles and on our weekly team meeting, we have our thankfuls at the end of it. And so often it will be a team member thankful for another team member or a leader thankful for another person. But it, it adds in that daily gratitude or thankful that I found we were struggling with keeping a system around that to make sure that that was staying positive in our culture. That's good. Really good. It's really good. Great. Great stuff today, guys. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. it really was. I mean, you know, you look at the the episode we covered today that was so tactical and full of meaty details on talking about why retention is so important, right? We talked about what we really need to make sure we're doing in the first 90 days of a new hire to ensure success, how to lead um, difficult and challenging clients. We talked about the Hot Millionaire Club, right? And how important the right cultural fit is and the best practices for what has worked. You know, we really appreciate you guys listening today. And most importantly, we want you to go lead a big business and an even bigger life. And don't forget, you are an empire builder. Thanks, guys. guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.